0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 20. I think it's 20, isn't it? We're going to go 20. The big 20, mate. We're going to go with 20. Um it should be 30, shouldn't it, really? But we'll go into that in a minute. Uh, welcome to episode 20 of the City event. Uh, my name's Adam and I'm with my co-host, Chris. How are we doing, mate? Are we good? Good. Very good, thank you. Monday evening. The cold is setting in, but we're OK. We're happy. Um, special episode today. We've got a few fans joining us. Uh, we're going to have a bit of debate on all things Bradford City, so we'll get them in in a moment. Um, structure of today is just going to be going through some points that they don't know about. Uh, And just getting some honest opinion on it. Because obviously, week in, week out, me and Chris sit here and we'll tell you what we think. And we don't always agree, obviously, but we'll say what we think. But we wanted to get actual fans from Twitter on as well who have different opinions. We had about eight guests set up, but a few dropped out for various reasons. But we have got three fantastic people with us. So I'll let Chris introduce them and get them added now.
3: Well, yeah, I, I will do that in a second. But yeah, I want to just reinforce what you just said as well is that you know we just have our own views on on the football game we I mean for instance look at Chapman on Saturday that was always a big talking point a lot of people said that they thought he was terrible I thought he was played really well so it's just nice to be able to have some city fans come in and be able to air their views and tell us what we are doing wrong or whatever but anyway I'm just going to add them now so Labib Labib, how are you doing, mate?
1: Hey, 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 lads,
3: you're right. I'm all good, thank you. All good, mate. And James, how are you, mate? Yeah, hey, boys. Oh, all <laughs> good. There
2: we go. The tech issues have already started, but we'll be at a rock and roll, don't worry.
3: And Dan, how are we doing, mate?
4: Yeah, nice one, lads. I hope you can hear me.
3: We're Do you know you what? You. Before we recorded this, we've had with Dan and um the, the connection wasn't great, but that was perfect, mate. Uh right. yeah, welcome on in, chaps. Welcome on in.
4: Nice one. Yes. Good work. So,
2: we're going Enjoying your up. work, lads. What's that, sorry? Enjoying your work at the City event. I'm like an old man leaning in. Like, you're not even in the same room as me. Uh But yeah, thank you, mate. It's very kind of you. Cheers for that. Cheers, pal. So, um, first of all, I think the, the first thing we need to speak about, because we're obviously the week after the Grimsby game, is... What happened there we know that labib was actually at the game so if you can share your thoughts mate to start with
1: and yeah yeah away. Yeah, yeah um i mean i was chatting to a couple of lads in the stands which was packed out by the way um and i said before the game we'll, we'll do well to come away with a point um game started first 10-15 minutes i thought we were brilliant actually just controlled it um greensby didn't get a look in and then we kind of did what we've done all season really we kind of lose that momentum and that energy and the other team kind of come back into it and I think we we really struggled to get a foothold I think our midfield kind of struggled uh, to get possession to keep possession Um, defended well Uh, I think back four were all solid really I think Halliday got a lot of compliments on Twitter Falls was as steady as he has been uh, the last few weeks Platt, Critchlow again solid a um, couple of scares their lad smashed it against the post I think uh so half time a little bit lucky to go in nil nil second half i I'd, I'd say we were probably the second best side um uh, really struggled to to get a foothold in the game and like I said i think I think we lost it in the middle of the park but uh, at the end it was it was good to come away with a point i think um was, yeah, to be fair I thought it was quite an entertaining game
2: can I ask you a question mate um, um so I watched it from home. a bit unwell, um, and I meant to be out actually on the beers, but I'm at home unwell watching it. Yeah. Now, the way that I saw it, there were there were two. I think there were two clear-cut chances in the first half for us, and maybe one in the in the second. So yeah. you had your Chapman through on goal. I saw that as a clear-cut really because he probably should have shot before he took the extra touch. Yeah. And Andy Cook, I'm sure Andy Cook had a really good chance in the box, and I think
1: it it it, it hit against a defender or something. Um it, don't, Yeah. But, was, to be fair, that was at the opposite end to where we were right. uh, in the first half, so it was difficult for me to get a clear view of it. It, it did look like there were clear-cut chances from, from where where I was. Uh, I've not seen any of the highlights. I've not watched any of that back yet. Um, but, yeah, it, I don't know whether there were clear chances or kind of half chances.
2: Well, uh, the Dion Pereira one was at your end. Um, it was, People yeah. highlighted that. and. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. one chance maybe that he's had all season, he's is, is missed it, but should he be scoring from there?
1: I, I think he should have, yeah. And to be fair, the Grimsby lad, I think almost on the stroke of half-time, had an open goal at that end and blazed it high and wide So that should have gone in, uh, but Dion should have been scoring. Just reading through some of the tweets and a couple of lads were convinced he was flagged offside anyway for that particular chance. I didn't see it. I wasn't watching the line, I was just watching Dion. But yeah, definitely that should have been in. We'll bring the other boys in in a minute on this one and what their opinions were if we watched the game. But
2: because you were there, what, what was the atmosphere like? Because we've had quite a few good atmospheres over the last sort of couple of weeks. And it's just this season, every Saturday sold out and everybody yeah. seems What was
1: what the atmosphere like in the crowd? It was, it was pretty good. I'd probably say Salford was better. Yeah. Uh, Salford was almost like non-stop singing from start right through to the very end. But I think it's a bit of a reflection of the game because it was so absorbing. Um, that a lot of people just were just watching the game as opposed to kind of singing and chanting, yeah but yeah, you know, like I said, um there was lots of noise, um and I said it was just absolutely packed. I was stood sat behind the goal um and the concourse where it should have been clear it was just packed with people standing uh, that i don't I don't know what had gone wrong, um whether there weren't the, it wasn't sitting in allocated seats, it was just sit where you want. I think that just caused a bit of a problem. But there were loads and loads of people just standing in the aisles and, and the concourses absolutely packed out. But generally, I'd say it was a good atmosphere. Yeah, it just feels a bit
2: different, doesn't it, this season, guys? I don't know what you boys think, but for me, nearly every game, Tramier away, we're, we're Tuesday night and we're absolutely bouncing and it's just it's good to see. Is it because the football's better? We, we've got a team that can actually go and win games and fight to the death to try and win games. Is that the difference? I mean, I'll, I'll open the question up to everybody. Anybody who wants to speak on it, if
3: you Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with that, um, Adam. I, I, I think that, you know, the fact that literally is impossible for anybody who doesn't have the loyalty points to get, a, a, you know, to to a game this year. Um I mean, we're looking already, I think, even with a Sutton game, that the ticket's going to sell out. It's crazy. It's, it's absolutely mad. But I think it's just that fans are starting to enjoy the football again and... Uh, I mean, obviously, I'll ask, you know, James and Dan as well in a second, but it just feels like um, the football that we're playing, it's quite enjoyable, but we're starting to enjoy it again. Um, Dan, I'll ask you first, mate, what do you, how, what's your thoughts on it?
4: Yeah, I think in general, there's a real optimism in the stands. Like we're going to games, we're going to like you Grimsby's and we're almost expecting, you know, the team's going to win. And, and I think that's a positive thing because you look at the quality we've got, you know, you look at the bench, um, you know, we've got people who can change games. And, you know, I've been to a lot of this season's games and we do, we start games well. And, you know, we on a lot of these games, we've taken early goals, which has been great. And what we haven't been able to do so far is like kick on from there. So I think at Grimsby, we started really well. But what we didn't do is then follow it up and we didn't get that goal. And we kind of just faded a little bit. We faded and faded. And, you know, I'd have liked to have seen another striker being, being brought on and really pushed for that winner. But in general, you know, it it's a little bit scary, the fact that our keeper was our man of the match. But let's face it, Grimsby are a good side. And if we follow it up tomorrow night with a win, then it's going to be a really good point.
2: That's a good point. And you look at the game's... Salford, Grimsby and Swindon, you know, you, you take seven points from that, it's unbelievable, isn't it? You, you know, yeah. then there's four points from the two games we've already had is a good result. So we get three points tomorrow night and, you know, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? And I think what I mentioned the other day to somebody is that we seem to be playing teams that are in form and getting results. Seasons gone by, we'd play these teams and we'd end up getting beat. If that were Derek Adams' team on Saturday, and I hate to go back to this point, we'd have capitulated and would have lost the game. 100%, no, no doubt yeah. in my mind. And I think we are more solid defensively as well as actually being offensively so much better. Just the, the whole spine of the team is better all the way through. James, I'll come to you as well on that one mate. What are your thoughts on Grimsby and that sort of side of things at the minute? I think uh, from a fan's perspective, it's it's quite inspiring to see the level of um, endeavour and We've lost you, mate. We'll let you get back in. But the level of endeavour was a good way to start that sentence because I think... think Can I just
4: jump in, lads? Yeah, you can. I think, again, what you've got to remember is Grimsby are in great form. You know, they've just beaten a couple of big teams. So, I think, you know, we're always disappointed when we don't win as City fans. And I think there's that kind of expectation that we should go to Grimsby and win. But I think it's a really good point. And... You know, one thing I did like as well was Mark Hughes came on and he was dis- he was disappointed. If you listen to his interviews, he was disappointed that we didn't do better. So I think there's a, you know, you can tell in the dressing room, he'd be mm. like, yeah, good point, but we probably should have won that game.
2: Uh, and the way we started it, game. I thought we were going to win. He wants to win every game, doesn't he, mate? Uh, that, and you can see that, that yeah. towards the end of the Grimsby game, both teams were going at it. There wasn't. It wasn't us sitting back and letting them, you know, press us. We, we, we wanted to win the game as well. And I know we changed the shape and we took Cook off and put more midfielders on. But actually, from in my opinion, changed the game for the better. I don't know what you guys think, but that's what my thoughts are. Um, I, I, I
3: mean, yeah, I mean, like I, I get where you're coming from, Adam. But uh, I, I mean, to be honest with you, for me taking Cook off, I think it was Ryan East who came on. Um, I would have rather have seen Vidane up there. I think that the the play that we were. The things that we were doing was looking like it was kind of a Danes kind of game. I completely agree with you as well, Dan, is that um, Grimsby have been phenomenal recently. They're, again, one of those teams that nobody's talking about and they're starting to climb up the league. I was on um, the podcast for Grimsby Town last week and they're buzzing at the minute, properly buzzing. And I said I, I would be more than happy with getting a, a draw. At Blundell Park, and we got that. I mean, obviously, you're you slightly disappointed. There was obviously the Chapman chance that hit the post. Um, should we have for me? I just didn't feel in the final third we were anywhere near good enough. I think that that cost us. What do you guys think? Labib, i ask you, mate.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think it's a little bit reflective of the last few games. I think, um and there's there's lots of talking points behind that. You know, formation, lone striker, do we need uh, two, two lads up front, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but against Grimsby, I, th- I think, as I said, we lost it in that middle of the park, really. Um, not getting enough possession and not picking up the loose balls in order then to feed your front men. Um But yeah, I definitely agree. We just didn't create enough to win it. I think Grimsby probably counted themselves a little bit unlucky not to have won it. They probably had the clearer cut chances, um, but as I said, um, and as Dan was saying, I think it was—it was, would be a good point if we can win tomorrow night. Really need to build on it now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll see what happens.
2: What we tomorrow, and we're going to go for it again. Out We every home game, we've gone for it. Um, we're attacking teams at home. We want to win the game, so we'll move on from that one then, and um, we'll yeah. move on from the game. The
1: point I'll just make. Sorry, we'll just make. Off one, is. Um, uh, the full-time whistle. Uh, so obviously we had that free kick, didn't we, right at the death? Oh, yeah. And uh, launched it into the box. And I think it was, was it Gilead it fell to? He was just about to kind yeah. of pull on it. that's right, yeah. Yeah, and referee blows for full-time. And uh, you mentioned Mark Hughes earlier, and he came on and went straight to the referee. And that was his main point. It wasn't to come over initially to to acknowledge the crowd and, and to thank his players. He went and had a pop of the ref. Yeah, you absolutely,
3: you're him. absolutely right there, Labib. That was exactly what happened. gilliard has got the ball in the box. He's open. And then the referee blows for full time. Yeah.
4: Do you know what I picked up on that was... It was really I, odd. But I think the if you watch the replay, the keeper goes down. So the corner comes in or the free kick comes in. We head it back across. There's a foul on their keeper or the, for whatever reason, their keeper ends up on the floor. And I think the the referee has just thought, right, before, you know, I have to give a yellow card or It was a real strange one to blow.
2: Yeah, we just lost you a little bit there. But yeah, you're absolutely bang on. Um it, it maybe that was the issue, but it's just not good reffing, is it? You've got to, you know, play to the whistle, I guess, and you've got to, the game's got to flow natural and you've got to play the minutes that you've got, you know, available. But I think the issue that we've seen it before where I think it was Accrington one once upon a time where they actually scored a goal I and mean, as the ball was hitting the net, they actually it actually blew the whistle. And I think it is it happening too often. Ref
1: in this season, let's be honest, it's been absolutely appalling. It really You're has. It, perhaps before you before your time. I think it was nineteen seventy eight World Cup. Bloody hell. You're showing your age they'll have been, mate. Well before my time, mate. <laughs> there was a famous uh, English referee called Clive Thomas, and he was refereeing, I think somebody like Brazil versus Sweden or something like that. One of the group matches, and it's coming up to half time. Brazil take a corner whilst the ball's in mid flight. Um, referee blows for half time, of course. But I think it was Brazil, Brazilian lad comes in, thumps a header in the back of the net, they're off yeah. celebrating, yeah. And uh, of, course, of course, he's ruled it out. And he's i ball still balling. remember that, and uh, I've, it's not often you see that because in this day and age, you let that momentum of play fizzle out, don't you? Of course, uh, you do. And then either the ball goes dead or it goes back to the halfway line, and then you blow. But whilst that momentum is with the attacking side, you you let that play uh, work out until you blow.
2: You do. It was a strange one. It really was. And um, just before we move on, we've got another guest that's just joined us. Um, he's come back from his run
5: by the looks of it. You all right, Ben? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, not a run. Um, but yeah, no, I've been uh, I've been skiing uh, skiing in the loose. Oh, wow. Skiing in Castleford, so yeah, Yeah. Good
2: old older Good Yeah, escape. Exactly. Right. I thought there was some sort of mountain district that I didn't know about. You know, <laughs> no, Bailden
5: Moor's nice, but not quite where you can go skiing, not this time of year anyway. <laughs>
2: no worries, mate. Well, welcome anyway, thank you. We, we've started a little bit, you've not missed too much, but we are just about to go on, to, um, on the pitch this season. Players that have stood out to us, um, and I'll, I'll come straight to you unless you want to get warmed up first, it's up to you, mate, but... Players that stood out to you, uh, who's been the key players for Bradford City this season?
5: Um, I'd say that's quite a tough question, actually, because I think, really, I don't think there's been a massive standout performer, really. I, I'm going to sound quite controversially and start almost with a negative. That's what we want, Ben. That's what we're looking for, mate. <laughs> because I think, well, the two obvious ones that most people would point to would be Lewis and Cook, wouldn't they? I think that's what, if you ask most people, they would say, I would say, Andy Cook has been brilliant in the box, but I've got a sort of an unpopular view where I think we would have more points if the Oliver or Angol had played up front. I don't think either of them would have scored as many goals as Cook, but I think as a collective, the team would have scored more goals, is my view. So my standout player would be Lewis. Right, where's the mute button again? just. Fine, I'm <laughs> joking, I'm
2: joking. No, I, I see what you're saying on Andy Cook, and I got slated for this um, at the end of last season, because all I used to say was, one-dimensional player, he offers nothing, um, and then he went and scored, you know, 30 goals or whatever he's on this season. <laughs> I, I, w- I would like to stick up for him a little bit, because...
1: A little bit? Hold getting, on, hold on. Listen,
2: just... wait, no, no, let me continue. Wait your turn, sunshine. He's not getting many chances. He's not getting
5: many chances, and he's converting a lot of them. When you look at the stats, no. And and the thing is, what I'd say is, can I be clear? He does the hardest part of football better than anyone. So if you're saying to me, who would I rather be put through one on one out of Cook, Verdine, Oliver, and Angle, Andy Cook every time? But I think he doesn't truly fit Hughes's style of play. So in terms of you know, we talk about. Chapman looks a bit up and down. Pereira, who's been disappointing since he's come back, you know the three behind. I think would would do much better if it was Verdin, Oliver, or Angle because they link the play. Cook, in the nice way, is poor at everything except the hardest part of the game. But
3: is uh, uh, Ben? Yeah, ben, it was... I, I, ben, I'll bring this to you. Is that not a striker's role?
5: No, and and could I be no? I to, and this is the thing. I, I know what I'm saying is going to sound like I'm deliberately being difficult or trying to find a negative. I assure you, I totally accept Vadine Oliver would not have scored as many goals as Andy Cook this season. Totally accept that. Lee Angle would not have scored as many goals as Andy Cook. But as a team, I feel we would possibly have scored more goals because those two players... Link the play up, you know. People often moan, you know, in the games that we struggled in. Well, we don't create enough chances when we get to the final third, we're predictable. Well, my honest view is we're predictable Mm. because Andy Cook Mm. doesn't contribute other than in the 18 yard box, but that's what he's paid to do. And I agree, and I agree, I I totally agree. I'm just being honest and saying the team would have scored
2: more, in my view. It's good that you've been honest, but you're t- completely wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, what I, what I would say is that Andy Cook's movement in the box this season has been absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, he's I'd good agree. Good. I'd agree. Fantastic. And yeah, you're playing to strengths. So we're getting the balls into the box, and every chance he's got is converted. So I disagree with you. And the fact that I will disagree with you is the games that he's not played, like in the cup, we've been absolutely shite up front and we've not scored, and the movement's not been on point. So What's happened there then, if that is the case? But has that not been because it's the reserve team that plays in those in those look games? At, come on, look at that team, look at the quality in it. You know, that we we've talked about the depth in the squad and things like that, but it's not like these teams of old that we've seen in, in the PC. Oh no,
5: I, I, and and I'd agree with you there, but what I mean is when Vedeen Oliver plays up front in the cup games, it's Levi Sutton delivering it from wide right. It's not Scott Banks or it's not Right, you know, our second eleven is very you know, it's definitely better than well, the Derrick Adams. It, it first was it was Scott Bank
3: it was Scott Banks on, 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 on Tuesday against against Burton though, wasn't it?
5: Against opposition in the league above. Yeah, but you
2: you've got Young and Banks there, both yeah again, you might you might call them first team as potential on, on the periphery. Oh, and
5: and I would yes. but I think we've picked we've picked one game there, haven't we? I That's think it. like you I think you look at like for example the, the left the team that played against Leicester. Where Oliver scored, but again, there uh, you know, you're playing against a bunch of kids, you can't truly judge against that, can you? But well, you, you look at it, you know, really the... should be bullying him, shouldn't he? If he's playing against even less opposition, well, yeah, but he's, he scored, didn't he? But that was with not the same quality of players playing in the midfield. Bring in
3: Labib, Labib,
1: hmm.
3: bless you, you've been sat there. What do you think about this?
1: I've got a couple of points to make on it the, f- the first one is the formation that we play yeah. right? with the four-two-three-one. and if you've got a lone striker for me getting balls into the box or creating those goal scoring chances you want somebody who can finish it's as simple as that really the fewer chances you get the more important and the more critical they are that, that they get converted and Cook's been doing that um, so in terms of Putting chances away, I don't think he can be faulted. In terms of playing in that kind of formation, he's got a lot more kind of running and harrying and kind of backtracking to do. And I think he's been doing that. Um, the two Grimsby centre-halves, I think, handled him really well on Saturday. Both big physical lads. Yes. Um And it, they didn't give him much, really. Um, So he's always going to struggle against two big lads like that. Which is why I think a lot of people often talk about having two strikers up front. Um, well, which, uh, it's a kind of solid setup like that. On your point, Labib, as well, I don't think it's. I think we're losing sight
2: of the fact that the, the first game of the season, Vidane Oliver was our number one striker. Oh. He, he was the man that Mark Hughes, in, in, I, like, so I don't know if you're going to disagree with me on that, but I'm totally convinced he was. We brought yeah. him in, he's, he's on a three or four year deal, I think, and was meant yeah. to be the main yeah. man. Three, but, uh, uh, Cook has been undroppable. How can you drop him? That is the that is the problem, I guess, that Mark Hughes is faced with. Maybe Ben is right, and maybe would be better with you know other people in the squad and things like that. But how can you yeah. drop you know one of the top scorers in England? That is
1: the problem. Well, you, I don't, can. you can't. I don't think like I said, can't. goals goals win your games, don't they? It's as simple as that. And Cook scoring goals, I, you're absolutely right. He is undroppable. I think at the moment. The question is, do we play somebody else alongside him? I think. Uh, in order to increase those kind of goal-scoring chances. One, one thing I mentioned the other day is um, up for several years now, we've always talked about our midfield not scoring enough. Um, we haven't had enough contributions from the middle of the park. Early this season, it was looking quite promising. You had people like Young, people like Banks, uh, chipping in with the odd goal. And early doors, it looked like we were going to get a collective um, number of people scoring. That seems to have dropped off recently, uh, and again, we're back to almost relying upon Cook again um, to put those chances away. So in terms what Ben was saying, as a collective unit, I think we need to be contributing more in terms of goals, not just relying upon Andy Cook.
3: Labiba, I think that's a really important point and something that maybe we haven't really talked about much. Um, I was looking at, for instance, when we played Salford, and I think, were they higher than us in the league, whatever? Um their team had so many goals between the players. There was nobody who was running away with scoring the goals. And I think that's a really important point that you've made there, that, you know, we, we, we had Smallwood at the beginning where obviously scored that cracker of a goal. Is it the pro- is the problem that we just do not score goals from other players? Is, is that the problem?
2: The problem is that they tit about with it too much at the edge of the box and try and do too much with ball. And we've seen that over every season. Nobody's got the cojones to have a shot. And well, the one player that has that I cannot wait to have back in this team because I feel like he is the missing jigsaw piece. I'll let, I'll come to you on this one. Jamie Walker. <laughs> Jay, Jamie Walker is levels above him. And when he plays, I just feel like this team works so much better. I do like Harry Chapman, and obviously that is the is it's in his position, isn't it? He's one of the one of the one of the hoods. One of the one of the two I'm words out teeth back in, um, yeah. So I, I do think we're missing Jamie Walker. So I'll come to um, Dan on this one if you want to share thoughts on that one. Am I wrong? Is he the missing? You know, um,
4: I don't think I think Chapman's played really well this season. I think you know is he better than Jamie Walker? Possibly not. I think my take on it is Mark Hughes is desperate for Pereira to find form. And he's given him every opportunity to play himself into form. And and let's face it, it hasn't happened yet. It just hasn't worked for him. And, And do you know what? Last season when he came, he came on loan, didn't he? And he was injured before we even saw him for like the first two months. And he got a whole lot of stick, didn't he? And everyone wanted him to go back and no one wanted him. And it was like, what a waste of a wage, this, that and the other. And then he hit the ground running and he was, he was awesome one day at the last, last, last season at the end. And we obviously, when he came back this time, it was, you know, that first game, when he came back, it was like we'd signed Alan Shearer or something. It was like, you know, everyone was absolutely buzzing. and And I just wonder if he's struggling a little bit with the expectation, you know, he's clearly a class player. He's good technically, but he's, I think he's struggling because of the expectation and I think Jamie Walker will add a lot to this team, but I think, you know, we can't afford to carry people certainly the way Hughes plays with one up front. And I think Pereira has to get dropped now. And I think that's, you know, I'd like to see tomorrow. I'd like to see Banks back in because I think he offers us something. He gives us good go forward and he's got a goal in him. He likes to cut in and shoot. So, uh, But I agree. I agree with the guy who's just come on. You know, I think there's a really good player in Oliver. I think he's class act and I think his time will come, but you can't drop Cookie because he's just, he's scoring.
3: Dan, I want to bring you back, take you back a little bit. So we talk about Dion Pereira, for instance. Um, Do you think that the fact that the team has obviously changed? I mean, obviously there was, what, 16 new players in, in the summer. Do you think that that has been... Is it is it a case of he was the best of a bad bunch last season and he struggles this season? Not for me, not for me. No, I I
4: I, I hear what you're saying and we've said it before. You know he was a standout player in a, in a bad bunch, but he's been so off it this year. He's 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 half the player he was. He you know he can't keep the ball. Nothing's working for him. And as I say, I think he's given, he's given him what, good four or five games. And I think it's time now to say, do you know what? I think we need to change it. Um, and, and I think he's, he's just out of form. He
2: I mean, And it's strange because Watford pre-season, he seemed to be doing well. Do you not think Luton, that, sorry. Do you not think he had glim- glimpses? Because I actually do on Saturday. I thought he showed little bits like maybe he's finding a little bit of form. That was my opinion on it. I know he missed that that howler of an opportunity. Possibly a good defending he got across him, yeah, but he's got to be scoring there. But I do think in the first half, he showed glimpses of what he could do. And I think the problem is, it's part of what Chris said. I don't feel like he's getting enough of the ball because he's not that main star anymore in the squad. There's a lot more better players around him. So they're not just giving it to him all the time. Because last season, it would get it to deal, let's be honest. And he just ran ran at players, didn't he? Because he could and he got away with it. Is That part of the problem, or is it just that he's just not good enough this season? He's not finding any form again. Labib Ben jumping on that one,
1: yeah. Personally, I think it's form. Um, you know, it's you know, it's kind of a bit of a cliche, players don't turn bad overnight, so I don't think it's down to him as his technical ability as a player. I think it is down to a little bit of expectation, a bit of pressure, which he didn't have last year because nobody knew him. Um, and if you remember, I think, um, the first time he played, he looked a little bit like he was lacking fitness, but that got better and better towards the end of the season. And by the end of the season, he was, he was like a superstar, wasn't he? Beating players for fun, almost like watching Peter Beagery again on the wing. Unbelievable. They were unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's, and I I, I agree with you, Adam, I think there were a couple of glimpses like that on Saturday. He was like, he was looking to take a player on and beat them. Um, So it, he might get his last chance tomorrow night, maybe, see that form. I'd love to see him, obviously, back to where he was, but he's, he's lucky to get a starting berth, I think, at the moment.
2: Yeah. that's And do you know what? It's nice, in it, to have that problem where you've got these good players that are behind him, rather than thinking, we've just got to stick with Dion because there's nothing better, like the Joe Colbeck days or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, let's not go into that one just yet. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you've got good players behind him, so that's why we're saying drop him and I guess it doesn't always work does it it's the fans crying out get another player on there's going to be better behind him and nine times out of ten that doesn't work barring maybe Matt Folds and rides his season uh, but Ben I'll come to you on that one as well to see what your thoughts are on uh, Dion
5: uh, I just think it's a lack of form and players at this level go through that type of spell I think as well maybe he's putting a bit of extra pressure on himself like you sort of alluded to Suddenly, now he's gone from last time round, he was the undisputed best wide player. Now he's at training or looking over at the bench. There's Tyreek Wright, there's Scott Banks. You know, he's definitely not guaranteed a spot, is he? Whereas, let's be honest, this time last season, if he had a run of games like these last few, you'd still be saying persist with him, wouldn't you? Whereas now there's a genuine question where if he was to be dropped, no one would moan, would they? Because ultimately we'd be bringing quality in.
2: Absolutely. Totally agree with you. I d- just want to bring one last point upon the uh, the players before we move on to the next subject. And I, d- I know you mentioned him and I've got to mention him again because he's just absolutely fantastic. I love the bones of him. I wish he wouldn't, not my dad because he'd be too young, but ha- Harry Lewis. I mean, <laughs> <four more time. laughs> this season... The amount of points that he has saved oh, us, yeah. I would suggest that it's 12, maybe 15 points because he's just unbelievable. Is he going to be here in January? Is somebody going to come in for him? Is he going to be here? I think he loves it at City. I absolutely <laughs> think he adores playing here and his mum goes to every game, I think. And she goes to North Parade as well, I believe, before every game, home game. I need um, to find that out. Well, <laughs> yeah, but yeah she's, she's just, I mean, not she. He is just phenomenal. His distribution I just don't think that you find that at this level. Uh, it's shot-stopping as well. Every part of his play is brilliant. It commands the back four. Can anybody disagree with me that Lewis is unbelievable? No, no.
3: absolutely not. And I think that that's something that we've been looking for in a goalkeeper for a long time. Bradford City, <laughs> there you go, with his mug. So if anyone who's listening on the pod, Adam just lift, lift, lifted up his glass. Um, chickens up his even, sorry. No, I think that this is one thing that we've... We were always kind of in the 90s. We always had really good goalkeepers. We had Schwartz, we had Walsh, we had Matt Clark. Uh I, I think there was I can't remember what the New Zealander um goalkeeper was called. But I think what he does is that he he's too good for this league. He's far too good for this league. I was watching the game with one of my mates um on Saturday, and he was like, Who is this guy? He's incredible. I was like, honestly, his distribution as well, level. I Pickford. genuinely believe that he's the best we've had for. Since
2: Pickford?
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I would genuinely go for that. I would say Pickford. What do you guys think?
1: I think I yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. Um, I've not much to add other than, you know, I think you're absolutely spot on. Uh, apart from his technical abilities as a player. I think his own his own kind of buy in, if you like, to the club is just brilliant to see. Um, it just gets that, it, doesn't it? It just, gets it. you know, is is you know. I think there were a picture of him a couple of weeks ago at a Bradford Bulls game, yeah, um, sort of taking it all in. And I think you know he just he just loves being part of part of the club, part of the setup. And really, as a fan, that that's what you want to see, isn't it? Is is players who are, who are bought into the whole kind of experience. So. Yeah, just phenomenal, really. And um, if he does leave, which a lot of people are suggesting, that, you know, if we don't do anything this year, obviously you just want to see the best for him, really. But, yeah, fantastic.
2: You don't get it these days, do you? Players that, that want to buy into the club. And I guess, is that Bradford because of the city that it is? Nobody wants to live in in the city. Um, there's two players that, that obviously, Jamie Walker, he lives locally as well. Colin Doyle, I think. Don't know about the rest, Mattifolds, obviously, but I don't know about the rest. They'll probably live in Leeds, won't they, and things like that. And Harry Lewis probably does, but he still he goes to these events, doesn't he? He cuts the ribbons and he gets involved. And I think Chris will go on to the women's game as well about Harry Lewis and his involvement there. What's
5: nice is that he seems to have em- embraced wearing the shirt. You know, we've spoken historically about like a lot of players that come from these bigger clubs find wearing the shirt heavy. So, like, you go to say someone, maybe a daft comparison, but Joe Riley comes from having Captain Man United under-18s or whatever it was, couldn't cope. He comes, he sees the cop absolutely bouncing. He loves it. He wants that pressure. He wants to be a part of it, where sometimes these young lads that we get from these, you know, attractive named clubs just can't handle it. He's been, he's been, you know, a rare example of the total opposite. He looks like he's been an experience number one, not his first real stint of... Men's first team football,
2: and let's not forget, we did the total Bradford City thing of writing him off as well. When we signed him, it was like, Who's this guy? What we're we signing this guy for? And yeah. he's the best signing in the summer, isn't he? He's unbelievable. So, we're about down. You know, but
3: if you think, if you think back totally to his awesome. press, if you think back to his first mm-hmm. press conference, though, Adam, um, he spoke so bloody well. I remember, you know, when we signed him, we said, Who the hell is he? I talked to a couple of my Southampton mates, they went, Don't really know much about him. Mark Hughes obviously saw something in him, um, which no other club of seen. He just obviously was hidden away. But I tell you what, the guy is honestly, he just embracing it. By the way, the um, New Zealand goalkeeper I was trying to think of was Mark Paston. If anyone remembers him. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was, that was I'm like, you know, he he was a good goalkeeper, but, um, The one thing, yeah, I do want to mention is that he's really involved with the women's game. I went down to watch uh, the Bradford women's game against Leeds United at um, Bradford Park Avenue a couple of weeks ago. He was there. He goes to every game. This is his Sunday. Do you know, and he's so passionate about football and the city itself as well and supporting and doing whatever he can do. And these are things that nobody really ever mentions or knows about. And I think that that just shows you. Um, Labiba. I'm going to ask you, shows you what kind of a character he is, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, um, like virtually every game, I think he normally kind of runs over to the UA end, in particular, and of his gloves over to, to one of the younger supporters. I think on Saturday he ran over, hugged his mum. You know, he's, he's, he's just brilliant to watch. You know, absolutely. Um, you know, that's the sort of character that you want. Uh, as part of the club. You want somebody who's who's got that passion, that energy, that 100% kind of commitment to it all. As I said, not even talking about his technical ability, I don't mm-hmm. think that's under any question as a goalkeeper. Um, one thing I did notice was was his kicking and his distribution that people have mentioned. And, you know, it very rarely ends up in touch. It's always in play, you know. Obviously, he doesn't always find his man, but his accuracy in terms of distribution, he's just brilliant. Can I just add to that?
4: Yes, Dan. Um, I think, I mean, clearly Harry Lewis is on his way, you know, onto bigger and better things, depending on how our season goes in the next couple of years. But as I say, his distribution, he could be a centre midfielder, couldn't he? He's both feet. He's very, very solid. Um, One thing I did pick up on when I first saw him in his first game, I did notice he's not the biggest of goalkeepers. And I wonder if, you know, Championship, Premier League clubs have looked at him thinking he's not big enough, which is borderline ridiculous on the way, you know, some of the saves he's making a world class. Really good. But he's not the biggest lad. Um, but his distribution is, it's unbelievable. It's really good. And it just gets us on the
2: front foot quickly. It does. Now... I'm sick of this loving, so we're going to move on from the players. <laughs> we need some falling out of here. This is not good, is it? <laughs> it's not good, it But no, it is, because it is, nobody in our supporters can dispute that he is just incredible. So we're going to move on from that.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So
2: the next thing we're going to speak about is the ownership at Bradford City, because obviously this is a, a big talking point and people have sort of Kind of forgotten about it. We've seen a supporters group help very recently um, over probably the badge coming out and things like that. So me and Chris have spoke about this plenty of times and our <laughs> views of the ownership and, and Ryan Sparks and things like that. But I just want to see what you guys think uh, individually. So I'll come to Dan first and I'll move on to you guys as well. So Dan, what are your thoughts about the ownership at Bradford City?
4: I mean, clearly it's well documented. Um, but actually my personal view is You can't really knock what the German guy, I can't remember his name, but what he's done for this club, because he has put his hand in his pocket and spent an absolute fortune on with no return whatsoever. You know, you get no guarantees with a football club. And I think, yeah, he's not a football guy, guy, he's a a businessman. But for what he's done, you know, he's brought in Mark Hughes. That can't have been a cheap uh, appointment. And he's backed him, and he's backed him with putting his money in his pocket. And, and you know, again, we're going for it. We're going for a promotion. So, yeah, I, I think we're in in in, a, in good shape at the moment.
2: I can't complain. Okay. And what are your thoughts on um, on Ryan Sparks and how he's running the club? Are you, are you sort of in agreement with how he's doing things? Are, are you enjoying the ride? What are your thoughts on that one, mate? Yeah, Ben's smiling and laughing. I know, I'm, yeah.
3: I'm smiling myself because I could <laughs> just see what Ben's laughing at.
2: He's dying to say something, he's like, let me speak. But really <laughs> sure. so, uh, Dan, carry on, mate. To be fair,
4: I think, you, again, you can't not what Sparks is doing. You know, young CEO, again, commercially, the club seems to be in a different world. I think we've brought in some um, really shrewd business, um, you know, and people seem to like working for him. So it seems to be working. At the moment, I don't want to say too much, I don't want to tempt fate, but on and off the field, we seem to have got it right this season. It just feels different. Um, and I think, you know, you can tell on a match day when you go, people are buzzing to be there. I mean, how many times have you gone there and the atmosphere is dreadful? The, you know, it's quite negative, you know, the booing and all that. I think at the moment we're on a, a really positive vibe and we're
2: going for it. So, yeah, no complaints from me. Thank you, Dan. I'm going to move on to Ben in a minute, but just on this particular subject, guys, resist the temptation to speak about the badge for now, because we are going to move on to that afterwards. We'll speak about that completely separately. (laughs) Dan, before we move on to Ben, you don't sound like a Bradfordian if you don't like me saying. Whereabouts are you, mate? What's your story? Just quickly. So, yeah, well, I was born and bred in Bradford,
4: um, moved away when I was 11. So I... Spent a bit of time in London, in Dubai, uh, and then I've had a family and come back. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm born and bred. I've followed the Bantams since I was... My dad used to take me home and away religiously, and they go to all the reserve games as well. So,
2: yeah, mate, it's it's part of the blood. I love it. I love picking up on the accents because we've had it before. Yeah, with people. I
3: noticed that as well. I was going to ask yeah. that question.
2: I mean, yeah. I, I, I sound common as bloody muck, though not but, I? But you you sound quite eloquent when you're speaking. It's quite nice to are a speaking <laughs> like that. So, just picked up on it, mate. I thought I'd ask Yeah, something. no drama. As I say,
4: it's, uh, yeah, me and the family have just come back. So, it's, uh, mate, it's great. I love it. I can go to every home game now. So, it's, it's mega.
2: Yeah, Top excellent, mate. Yeah. And uh, that's, sorry, that was no uh, disrespect to you two guys. So, Labib and uh, Ben, I'm not saying you two speak really common or anything. His <laughs> water. Then, in preparation, he's going to speak in his uh, his best English now. So, yeah, Ben, I'll come at you,
5: mate. Um, in terms of Stephen, Rupp, I I've, I'm probably in the minority where I've never had any issues with him. Really, he's always um, paid the bills on time. The the only time I've ever had a gripe with him, I suppose, is and I don't know whether this was you know Julian Rose at the time or Ryan Sparks was just. Um, I think we judge Stuart McCall and Derek Adams' time a little bit unfairly because there's been a clear difference in budgets Available to those managers, so I'd say he's always paid the bills. I'm sorry, but you're a Derek Adams sympathizer, right? Um, well, but let's be fair, you know, Stuart, let's go, let's move away from Derek because I did think Derek was treated. Come on, ah, but let's go. go.
3: I really hope we could go one episode without mentioning Derek Adams.
5: The, my one issue has just been that the the bills have always been paid, which is brilliant, but there has been a very up and down in terms of the different conditions different managers have had to work under. So, like, McCall, in the nicest way, struck me as, a, I'm going to keep paying the bills, but this is a way for me to be able to lower my outlay and still keep everyone happy. The Derek Adams appointment screened to me, This is a guy that got more promoted on a shoestring, so I can get him and you know give him the top a top ten budget, and we'll get promoted. He's now realised those two things don't work, and he's now gone. I'll get an elite manager and also give one of the biggest budgets. But like I say, the bills have always been paid, so I haven't got a problem.
3: Ben, I'll I'll ask you about that. Like for instance, I know a lot of City fans. Obviously, me. For example, did not like Derek Adams. Um, was there any City fan genuinely when we made that appointment who went, "This is fucking shit"?
5: No. Nah.
2: we <laughs> <laughs> was a good appointment, and uh, on the
5: point in the budget, paper, the budget, the budget were
2: decent as well, Ben. Yeah,
5: because... but it was what I mean. What I mean is, where's now Hughes? So th- this is the thing, and I don't want to change the question, but Hughes is doing a superb job. He is. There's, there's absolutely no dispute in that. He's doing a superb job, but he's also working with a completely different budget to what Stuart, you know, had when he was thrown like a lamb to the slaughter and Derek when it was, uh, we'll give you a decent budget, but it's not a promotion budget in comparison. No. To... It was the second best in the league that they had, wasn't it? I, I never quite, but that wasn't what... Look at the pool that we were shopping in compared to the pool we shopping. in. Do you know nah, what? But that's, that's
2: the give... pulling it. I think that's the the yeah. manager's pull. He's pulled those players. Let's be fair. Derek Adams failed. We can't back him.
5: Oh no, failed. he did. No, no. Oh no. Can I... Derek Adams failed. But what I'm saying is, just like like McCall, you know, in effect failed. But you know, look at again, Stuart McCall. Look at the job he did when we were in League One when Rahick was there. Dare I say his name? And we were throwing the money at it. And then, little wonder, he failed when he was given a shoestring budget to operate on. Football, a manager can make a huge difference. They can, I mean, look at the minor miracle Truman and Sellers worked with those, those players. But a manager can only make so much difference. There has to be the budget as well.
3: Ben, I think you've got a, I think you've got a fair point here. I actually do, to a certain extent. I absolutely do think you've got a fair point. And obviously, you you know, we expected that Stuart, when he came back the last time, that he was going to be able to do the job. And and I think you're probably right to a certain extent that he didn't have the financial backing. The one thing I would say is that Ryan Sparks did not appoint, or sorry, did not give Stuart McCall that two-year extension.
1: Right,
5: That That was Mr. Rhodes, was it?
3: I don't know. But that that that's that's that's
5: what
3: Ryan said on the uh, Hard Truth podcast the other day that he did not appoint Stuart McCall.
2: Right. So on, on that topic, we'll just speak about Sparks before we go on a Derek Adams rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> what, are your, what are your
5: opinions on Sparks,
2: uh, Ben? As well,
5: um, I think he's absolutely brilliant at the commercial side. Very very clearly, you know, we've got more commercial partners than I've you know ever heard of any football club having. Um, all that frustrates me is, if I'm honest, is when he tries to get involved with the football. So speaking of the Hard Truth podcast, it really got my back up when, you know, he was sort of daring to say as the chief executive, I found it quite disrespectful, sort of insinuating he could spot players better than Stuart McCall. That he could spot, you know, that one upset me more than dare I say the name Derek Adams. I thought that snippet was really in bad taste. I I I just think brilliant, brilliant at the business side. Football, let's be honest, you know, we're not experts. None of us on this, you know, on this show now are experts, but he's no better informed than us. He wasn't really a football fan, was he, prior to getting this job?
3: Yeah, he, yeah, I understand that he, he was however what? however however your point's valid he's not a you know he's not a previous footballer or anything like that Labib ask yeah. you mate what what do you think on everything that we've said so
1: far um, this is probably where I'm going to disagree um,
0: yes do it Yes, yeah. come
1: on well, going back to when Rupp took over we were a league one side pushing for the playoffs five years later we're in the bottom half of league two right that's the reality of it you can big him up as much as you want to but in five years in five consecutive years we've gone backwards every year that's a fact undisputable unequivocal look at the league tables five years straight we've gone backwards every year that to me is not a sign of good leadership or good management i take on board people saying oh he's put his hand in his pocket and you know he's uh, kind of backing the club but i'm not convinced he has um because if you listen to sparks he talks about it being a self-sustainable business model right he's mentioned that several times so self-sustainable is using the income that we've got coming in that you spend it on players that we're bringing into the club. It's not Rupp digging into his own pocket and smashing that money out. We've got a budget that we've created from the commercial deals that Sparks has done um, and using that money to leverage in those kind of players. So for me, um, Sparks doesn't... um, um, Rupp doesn't get any credit. It doesn't, right? And that's based upon the facts that we've seen over the last five years. The only time... I will stand up and praise up is when we're in the Championship. And that means he's taken us forward from the point at which he took over. Right. That's, that's a sign of success for me. At the moment, there is no success to point to. Do you not think anything's changed
2: this season? Because a lot of people are now on board with this new Mark Hughes rollercoaster. Do you not think anything's changed? Do you still think the money's coming from the commercial partners rather than him putting his hand in his pocket. Is that right?
1: That That's my view on it. I don't know the ins and outs of the club, right? I don't, I don't have access to all the finances. I'm only going on what I've seen and read in terms of us being a self-sustainable business model. Um, and that to me speaks of get the money in first, then spend it, right? Uh, and manage your budget. I think Sparks has done incredibly well from a commercial perspective, Um Again, we we talked about um, Harry Lewis as a player and kind of buying in to the whole kind of club. I think Sparks has done the same thing as well. I think he's fully committed to making the club a success and he can't be faulted for that, I don't think. Um, So from from that perspective, I think he does a good job as a CEO, but I'm not convinced that um, Rupp has been good for the club.
2: Do you think we've got... So, Labib, do you think we put a lot of expectation because of where we've been to have these owners that are going to splash the cash?
1: And what, what, what is it that you would expect from from ownership, of interest? Well, okay, if you if you look at ownership, from it's it's a good question. What I would expect is presence, commitment, kind of you know um, that that kind of vision, that strategy, that plan. Um that's, that's what I would expect from leadership and ownership of the business. If you look at any any private sector business or organisation, you'll have a leader with a very clear view of this is where I want to be and you take people along with you. Now, Rupp's conspicuous by his absence. Right? He's hardly ever there. I appreciate he lives in Germany. Um, but I would expect to see him present. I would expect to hear a lot more from him. On a much more regular basis, um, and as I said, if you look at any business that's gone backwards five years on the trot, that top person would not still be there. But even well, think think football, it's, it's changed. changed. Would you
2: not agree that in football, well, it, it, it,
1: it has this season, it, it, it has this season, and and that that you know, I fully fully admit that there's a there's a far greater sense of optimism that there is now than there was last season. We seem to be playing better. There's a higher kind of expectation. There's a better optimism. The feeling uh, is all very, very, very positive. But we're only 14 games in. You know, We've not done anything yet. You know, Let's see what happens at the end of the season. Obviously, Sorry. I want this to be successful. I want this to go up. Of course I do. Uh, everybody knows you want that success. But on track record so far, for me, there's more to shout about yet. Sorry, my question was,
2: do you think football has changed in regards to ownership? Because you look at pretty much most clubs, I don't think that chairmen nowadays, they're not the chairmen of old that were sat in the office at the ground anymore. People on the club and are, are as involved to get people to do that work for them, a la Ryan Sparks. When obviously Rupp invested in the club, but he never really, I don't believe, wanted to be that, that man, and I still don't think he does. Um, is he wanting to sell the club? personally I think he probably does but is the price tag too hefty is the people that are interested that are wanting us to get to that next level before they invest are we a club that you'd want to invest in mate
1: well I mean Pete I've, I've been following City for a long time right 45 years I've been I've been watching City play so this is from the, the late 70s onwards we have seen it all then good bad and the uglier yeah? during, during that time we've always been referred to as a sleeping giant Right. Everyone always calls us the sleeping giant. Right. If you look at Bradford as a city, right, the population of Bradford is over half a million. Right. It's one of the top five, top six cities in the in this country. And I think it's criminal that a city this size as a team that's floundering in the bottom division of the football league. For me, that's that's my own view. I know there's no correlation. I, I understand that. You know, if you look at Bournemouth, you know, relatively small city in comparison. They've they've got teams that are, that are flying high, and so on and so on. There's lots of um, you know examples that you can point to that book that particular trend. But for me, there's always been, I think, a saleable club there. The potential that this this, this club have got. Lots and lots of other people have said that. Um, so I think it is definitely a saleable club. In terms of going back to your original question, Adam, about um, ownership of football these days, there's loads of examples that you can point to where, where owners uh, are fully invested in that particular club. You know, they talk about it. Uh, the, the, lad, the, the guy at Peterborough, Darren McCantney, you know, he's always making himself uh, heard and what he wants to do, what he wants to achieve. Um, the other day, I was listening to a radio phoning show. We were talking about the energy crisis. And he had Dale Vince from Forest Green Rovers, oh. like him or look, hate him, but he's always talking about his football club, right? Yeah. And these these are people that own it. So there's lots of examples that you can point to where people are fully vested into that particular project.
2: He's a bad example, though. Well, I,
1: well. well, <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Like, well, I think the
2: Akron and Stanley boss is a good one um he's he's another
1: example and he's quite vocal and he about stuff and and matters again for me my own personal expectation which might be different to the way the world but for me that's what i want to see i want to see somebody who's leading the club forward who's got a plan who's got a vision who's got a strategy and you know who wants to take us all with with them to, to where they want to be and i don't see that
2: from rob no thank you for that mate um I think before we go any further into this debate, I think we need to move on a little bit, and we'll we'll sort of on the back of it, we'll speak about the the new club crest badge, whatever you want to call it, uh, KFC logo. Um, So I just want to see what you guys think of that because I'm sure we all have different views. Chris absolutely loves it, of course he does, Um, but I'll come to Dan. I've
3: never never said that. He did. He (laughs) did when it first came out.
2: Oh, oh, it's amazing! I love it. I love it. Talking it's... absolute rubbish again. <laughs> Just like uh, the reason
3: when he had a Britney breakdown and shaved his no. hair
2: off. Yeah, but it's a choice. It's a choice. Right, Dan, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to come to you first, mate, on this new badge. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Just uh, summarise your thoughts, please.
4: When I first saw it, initial reaction was, didn't like it, didn't like it at all. It did grow on me. But do you know what? When I compare it to what we've got now, I still prefer what we have. I totally get it. I'm happy for it to change. I think we need the stripes in there. Definitely. That was my, I did the, you know, the online, um, um, you know, recommendations and I said, that was one thing I wanted. I wanted the stripes back in. I get it. It needs changing. I don't think the badge they came up with or the crest, whatever you want to call it. I don't think that was right. I, it just didn't look right to me. I Thank prefer you. what we have, but um, you know, it's going to change. But I don't think they've got it quite right yet.
2: Oh, yeah, with the large majority that, that that they said that wanted to change it, the, the ninety fans. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Ben, Luke, I'm going to come to you. Your summary on the uh, on the badge. I oh, don't pull pull faces, Chris. We'll come to you in a minute.
5: Ben. Um, I I don't like the one that they proposed at all. And for me, it was as simple as just look at the current one and like what Norwich ended up doing, just modernise the cut, literally as simple as like, you know, I could imagine you could find someone very quickly who's good on Photoshop, who in an hour for free could modernise it and get rid of all of those problems that that detailed supporters pack um, detailed. What I'd also say is not to try to change the question is, I just didn't understand the the financial um you know, the use of club money to do that. We don't own our own stadium. We don't own our own training ground. We're not a brand. We're not Paris Saint-Germain. We're not Man City. We're supported, you know, we're the people who buy a woolly hat from the club shop are going to buy it regardless. It's not like people that buy a PSG hat, even though they've never watched PSG. We're a, We're a football club for the people of Bradford, not a brand.
2: Right, I get it, and I'm with you. The necessity of it, I guess, is it is it necessary to change it? No, I'm with you. What you've just said there, I can't believe I'm saying these words, Ben. But I totally agree with you there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to Labib on it as well because he's actually modelling um, the the crest on his on his top today. I don't know if you can show us no, a no bit one. Before.
1: Yeah, uh, the, like I, I think I'm probably in in alignment with the majority of views is that it does need modernising. Right. Now, when you when you talk about a club and you talk about the presence, it is different to what, what it was 30 years ago. You know, we've got social media, we've got iFollow, we've got, you know, so much branding mm-hmm. that goes off. That's not to say the club is a brand, it's not. But a representation of the club now needs to be a much higher profile than what it has been in the past. So I understand the need to modernise it. Um, good, clean image. Didn't particularly like, the, the image of the bantam, and and I kind of tweeted half jokingly that we should have something that looks a little bit more fearsome. If you look at like something like the Albania uh, crest, I know it's an eagle, but you know you've got like a double headed eagle that looks a little bit fearsome. You've got the Germany eagle, so um, you've got Crystal Palace kind of logo where you've got an eagle that's in action. I think having a more kind of fearsome looking bantam that would be my preference but I can understand the need to modernize it didn't particularly like it um I do like the craft that we've got now but the, there's a lot of elements associated with what we've got now we, you know which is which is on there when you try and just clean it I can understand it's a bit of a challenge uh, you're always going to upset somebody I think uh, when you modernize anything we've had it what 30 years now um, so you're in the um you're in the angry cock I mean
2: angry bantam um uh, group.
1: Angry bantam group.
2: Yeah, oh, excuse yeah.
1: me. I want, I want an angry bantam.
2: Everyone want. wants an angry bantam. I don't see like it's always oh, not raising its claw. It's not angry in a fight. Yeah, I
1: want an angry bantam, <laughs> double-headed angry bantam.
2: I like it. Yeah, so like a hybrid KFC angry bantam. We have got the KFC logo, but now want the actual KFC chickens with the double heads. Um, Chris, you've been shaking your head. You've been pulling faces. You've been smiling. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, Do you know what? I've been re- I've been really good for a change.
3: Um. But before we start this, I'm just gonna ask you, Adam, did you vote for the ball to ch- you know change the mascot?
2: Yeah, I did originally.
3: Right. So if we'd have gone for the ball, then you would have that badge would have changed. Yeah. Yeah. All I would say as well, on point of that as well, is that only three thousand people actually filled out those documents or the, the votes or whatever if it was such a massive deal for Bradford people, then why have we not had more than 3000 people?
2: You sound like a Tory MP, you, you know?
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Billy Bantam. Um, but also, you know, like we're talking about like, kind of like people talking about photoshops and things like that. We're all amateurs on this. We don't know how, what, or what goes into that. I get that, understand that, um, I definitely don't think it's cost that much money to to actually look at whether we change our identity. Um, you look at like you know brands such as like Adidas and Nike, whatsoever. They all have changed their branding. They all become simple. I think personally, for me, I don't think that badge is the right one. But I think
2: we need to move forward. if we want to be. To do what? Want to be what? What do you want to be? We're a League Two football team. Why does the badge matter that much? Well, tell me.
3: Yeah, but but how many people talk about us being a League Two team when you know when you're looking on Sky yeah. Sports News, for instance, and you see the fixtures and you'll see our badge is tiny because nobody oh. else can do anything with it.
2: So people are saying, "Oh, that badge is rubbish." They must be a League Two team. Is that right? But, but that, no, I don't think that's the case.
3: I think them? it's the what? case that, that no. What I mean is, is that it's the case of, we need to change the identity. I mean, anybody who says, anybody who says that that bantam on the top of the badge is fantastic, is lying. Do you know what the worst thing is? And I mentioned this on the space as well, is the little bit of, uh, you can see like, apparently it's the feet are standing up like a bantam. That just
2: doesn't make any sense to me anyway. That's my toothpaste. You're talking, talking shy. Um, it's pointless. I? I mean, what, what I? is the point? Yeah, you are because it's it, you're on about a piece of grass. You're upset by a little piece of grass that's underneath the chicken. Who, no, who no, cares? It's not
3: underneath the grit, it's not even that. It's actually apparently the foot to say but that. I'm
2: saying, saying we need we need to change it to to take ourselves seriously. I don't yes. get that argument. Why? What? Why is it necessary? What, what is, so I would I say mean,
3: I would say well, obviously that that badge was created. I think it was nineteen ninety one, right? Uh, 1991, 92. Um
2: Good year. I there's been.
3: Year. Do you know what? There's been some good years, but there's been some absolutely terrible times in that in that time frame. You've got to look at the like, like for instance, the last. You know, we've we've gone from in that time we've gone up from division uh division two to the, the old championship we've gone to the premiership we've gone all the way down again we've gone up yep. a little bit we've gone down again I just feel that for me we just need a change
2: and that's I my say, personal opinion but because yeah it's wrong um so I would <laughs> I would say that 60 to 70 percent maybe 60 percent of our key history is with this badge when you look at it like the last sort of You're making
3: it out as if the badge has been around forever. And like I I said, and I'll go back to my previous point was where you said, oh, I'd go for the ball again. So you obviously don't feel that connected to the badge.
2: I do, but I just feel I just like the ball
3: better. So if we'd have gone for the ball, would you have then appreciated us
2: changing it? It depends if it looked like a packet of park scratchings when they put the badges out, do you know, what I, mean? you know what I mean?
3: But this is it, but this is it. But this is the
2: great thing about
3: City fans, and this is the great thing about having these kind of conversations, is that 3,000 people voted. That's it. That's it. Is sure. it
4: such a big, big sure. You're being
2: issue? You've been a politician. One thing I would say
4: is, well like you, look at, you look at the badges over the years, They've all been vastly different, haven't they? Like, Absolutely. They've changed dramatically. Not, they haven't tweaked them. They've changed dramatically. So I think there is a part of, it, of the current badge which we just love and we don't want to lose because we hold so much kind of good memories with it. Um, for me, I agree. I think Ben mentioned it. Just modernise what we've got. And keep that identity because I think we all love it because we've had so we've had some really great times in the last twenty years, and but I think you, we've, we've grown to Dan, love it.
3: Dan, when I when when I'll, I'll come to you. So when we win a game, do you look at the badge and go, "Wow, I'm so proud of that," or is it the football team that you look at?
4: <laughs> yeah, definitely the. I don't look at the badge and think, "Wow, thank God we got this badge." What stupid act! What are you on about? <laughs>
3: But you don't think about you don't think about yeah. the badge, do you? You don't think about the badge when we win those yeah. games. You don't think about that. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, the point yeah. of,
2: at the point you're on about, no. But I guess that you are proud to wear that badge when you go out and about, maybe, or when you go into games. Maybe that's that's more the point. And are you proud of it as a as a crest, or does it not matter? That I much? think I think when you go into that
4: club shop to buy merchandise, you kind of buying the badge, really, aren't you? Because You think you were wearing a pink Bradford City beanie the other day, and it was a he good dogs. point. You he wouldn't have worn it, that you if you didn't have the crest on, would you? Yeah, true. Get it on,
2: get it yeah. on. So, honestly. Dogs, dogs ripped it to bits. I put a tweet out, damn, that a fair,
4: fam, but that damn, is what you buy, isn't it? If you buy a golf ball with Bradford yeah. City, you're basically buying the crest,
2: yeah. yeah. So you're it right. it does hold a lot of identity. And there you go. So Chris agrees with me now, he's changing his mind again.
1: But the the argument is though, if if it had a, a different badge on it, you'd still buy it. Oh, it yeah, probably would. But that's
5: why I don't get the need to invest all of that money in it. Let's be honest. If we're looking at it from a you know a fashion point of view, claret and amber. I love our colours. Love our colours. I love that when you turn the, the football league show on or whatever it's called these days, you could be stood hundred miles from the TV and you'd be able to tell it's Bradford City versus someone. Okay, we've got that. That's truly unique. But actually, I bet the youth of today—these people that Ryan Sparks is trying to appeal to—look at a claret and amber. And go, I'm not wearing a claret and amber track suit. But Ben, I would
3: ask you it's... why you think it's going to cost so much money.
1: Well, what, because money it's an expense.
3: It's going
5: to cost. It, it, it's, it's well, I I I do not know. But let's even go on the cautious side. I'd say minimum, you know, five ten thousand pounds just to do all the stuff in the stadium. You. Just think of every single board that has got that logo on. Ben, ben, a- a- ben, a- ben a- you're, worrying,
3: you're worrying about five to ten thousand pounds, and the amount. Matter...
5: That's but on I'm, a saying, on the, look, I'm, I'm saying on a, because I don't want someone coming back to me going, "Where are you plucking these figures from?". I'm a school teacher, not a business person. But I am saying, I would go as far as saying, if I was to put a rough figure on, I'm thinking £100,000 probably to change everything in our ground correctly. And you're telling me that last season, when we're signing players like Nathan Delfonso, we've got 100 grand to chuck away. I really, I really resent, I think hard work, you're not sound like Brian Clough. Hard-working Bradford City fans want money spending on the grass.
3: No, and I, I completely That's... get where you're coming from. However, I would say also that we could have signed, we could signed uh, in the summer another Nathan Delfonso yeah, who yeah. absolutely was terrible and would have cost more money than to actually change... The branding.
5: Yeah. I, I just simply would prefer the money to be spent on the football. The badge at the moment isn't, isn't a priority. I'd understand it more if we were in the Championship or the Premier League and on that crest of, we're going to try to take this club to the next level. Because at the moment, in the nice way, League 1 and League 2, we're not commercially attractive to anyone other than local business. And we're very lucky that, as a proud city, that our local businesses back us. Our business, you know, JCT600 don't back us to make money. They back us because they're proud of their Bradford roots. You look at all of these commercial partners. What do they all have in common? All local businesses where it's beneficial to them as much as it is to us. When you're in the championship in in the Premier League and you want to get Nike to make your kit and you want to get XYZ, that's when you need to do these things. League one and league two is not the time in my view. Right, do can we, we just I want...
2: put that whole segment out that is just done there, Chris? And that can be the episode. I was just going to say what you're
3: going to say. Phenomenal. That was so... Do you know what? That was...
2: I if love that. Right. I love right, that. Though, do you it,
3: know yeah, the pride of Bradford? On. That was phenomenal.
2: Honestly. That was spot on. Yeah, bang on. And, and do you know what? We're going to leave it at that because you're right and everybody else is wrong. So <laughs> we we're going to move on um, to another another subject where uh, I want to hear your views on it. I don't know out of you guys um, who are season ticket holders, who goes to home games. Yeah. Um, but we're going to speak about the stadium atmosphere at home games. Now, let's be honest, it's been poor. We've got, you know, 16,000 17,000 people in there every week. You've got an atmosphere section in the northwest corner. You've got the guys in the cop. You've got the famous Midland Road whatever. Our fans are poor at home. Um, why is that? What, what is the problem, guys? Uh, Le Babel, come to you first on this one, mate.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. We, we, we have got, I think, quite a poor home atmosphere. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I sit in the Midland Road and uh, very rarely do people kind of stand up and, and join in with the chanting. Occasionally, you get a few rounds of Mark Hughes, Bradford Army, and people kind of clap along to that. But otherwise, it's, it's just deathly quiet. Um, this this whole kind of um, battle might be the wrong word, but this this kind of situation that we've got with Northwest Corner and kind of the cop, um, it, it'd just be good to unite them, I think, um, rather than have two separate kind of factions uh, at, at there. I mean, because I'm in the Midland Road, I'm not too far away from the away end. And obviously the last home game at Stockport, they, they had a really good following and they they just created a brilliant atmosphere all, all the way throughout the game. And quite often, you know, the away fans, even not in that big a number, will will talk about Valley Parade being a library. And I think it is most of the time, it's far too quiet um for for such a big stadium. You know, that place should be rocking, it really should. And it, when it when it does, it just makes a phenomenal noise. And that'll intimidate any away team. Uh, I just wish we could do that week in, week out. Do you think? Because obviously we talk about being proud Bratfordians,
2: and we're quite vocal on Twitter, and we're we vocal in pub and whatever else, wherever we go, about supporting this team. And on away days this season, we I spoke about this earlier that we've been pretty good away. But what, what is the issue at home? Is it is it just a disconnection between one? Stand starting a song with a drum and then the other stand starting a separate song and not having that is the, is it just
1: pettiness like that? Is that the issue or is it more? I, I, yeah, I don't I don't think it is. I think um, when you look at away games, you get a certain type of fan that goes to away games, and and that type of fan tends to sing along and join in. Um, as we said, we've, I've been to about four away games. Been good atmospheres every time and the away end. You know, lots of noise. Uh, Salford was brilliant, Grimsby was pretty good, packed out, people joining in, singing, chanting, all of that. And you, you just don't get that at, at home games. Um so maybe if you have a catalyst like the cop, you know, the um the K block as it used to be. When when we had that kind of um when they had the flags going, you remember a couple of years ago, yeah, we were really concentrating on the K block and it looked brilliant. Um, and now that it's kind of just dispersed into the um, northwest corner, it's not as effective, I don't think. Uh, so maybe if you have all of those guys together, that might act as a bit of a catalyst for everyone else to kind of join in. Don't know. Fair point. I mean, for me, for the starters, get that bloody drum
2: and throw it into a skip on Midland Road. I just can't stand a drum at a home game. I think it's just every away game. I don't know about Grimis Billy B because she went. Did they have a drum at that game? Uh, I don't it's, think it did, no like, if we did, I certainly didn't hear it yeah they didn't me, I don't think and Salford and the atmosphere was so much better because the, the problem that I see is and I'll come to you guys in a minute on this but the drum they start a rhythm with it and they're not really that loud singing with it and then the cop starts from it, and then they start drumming again and it just gives me bloody headache personally I just wish to get rid of it I could be wrong there some people might love it I know kids like it don't and stuff like that but it's not a partisan atmosphere why do we need a drum why do we naturally you know start songs uh Ben, thoughts?
5: Um, I think it's two things. I'm going to sound like I'm making excuses for our fans. I think not having fans in the TL Dallas stand doesn't help. And I also think what doesn't help as well is how small most of the followings are in League Two. So like Stockport, even though it's probably, you know, our worst performance was actually a good atmosphere because their fans make us raise our game. It's very easy to, when it's a dull game, and Stevenage have brought 50 fans to be quiet for 20 minutes, isn't it? Whereas Stockport, when we were in the tren- in the trenches, because their fans are singing for the whole 90 minutes, the atmosphere was good. But I don't think we responded to that. I, I don't personally think at Stockport that we were right. decent, personally. Yeah, um, and that's the that's opinion. But I, I think, in short, that's the thing that I always notice is it's so much more enjoyable when we play, for, you know, Teams that bring support, even go to like the um Papa John's Sheffield Wednesday, even though there was barely any fans that night, cracking atmosphere. But because yeah. they're singing all game, we then sing all game, yeah. That's a good point. And that was
2: probably the best atmosphere this season, I think. At yeah. home. Um, you know, we had the only lower tier and everybody was singing along and what have you. Um, maybe that's it because you're in more of a you know, an enclosed space, everybody's singing rather than just it's all being disjointed. But I feel oh. like you're making excuses, mate, for fans. We're just we're just not good enough at home. We're not loud enough. We're not proud enough. And we need to be. And, and that that is the 12th man that this team needs, I think, to get them over the line this season. They're just not getting it. Um, what we can do about it, who knows? It needs to be I, a massive thing.
3: I just think, sorry, Adam, I'm going to... But I just sorry. think that it's a case of that... I mean, nobody talks about this and they don't. And I'm going to talk about it. There just seems to be a battle between the northwest corner and the cop. And the thing is, we should be working together, but there seems to be just a division between the two of them. And I, I, I just genuinely would like to us all to work together and understand that we want the same thing, but there just seems to be a battle. What do you what do you think to that?
2: I'll come to that.
3: Well, I mean, I sit in the
4: northwest corner, so, you know, I'm right next to that fucking drum and it does do your head in. (laughs) But but it does, certainly where I'm sat anyway, it does create a bit of noise. But what I can clearly hear is the copper singing one thing and we're singing something else. You know, every club has a singing section and they keep them together for that exact reason. You know, they start the whole thing off And, you know, when Valley Parade is rocking, we all know it's rocking and it's just not happening enough. And Ben stormed a thunder a little bit, but again, you're spot on. You know, when teams bring 150 to Valley Parade, you know, you don't get that um, kind of atmosphere because, you know, they're not creating any noise. We start off creating a bit of noise, but then it fades because you've got nothing going back. The away days are the best because we take a thousand and it's a cracking atmosphere because we're giving it there, we're getting it back, and it creates that kind of football atmosphere we all love. But when you've got 150 from crew, I mean, it's just, it's shit because it's quiet. But reuniting, you're right, there's a problem somewhere, isn't there? The cop and the Northwest, what is that?
2: So why are they the not
4: just saying, let's sit together?
2: Well, the cop has always been, well, not always, but for the majority of the time, has always been where chants are started, where it's all going on. And I think that people think that these young lads are trying to not steal a thunder a little bit, but trying to be a bit different, partisan, and all that kind of stuff. And I think it probably irks people. I'm not saying this is my opinion, but that's what I gather when I look at tweets. And they're like, they want to get their own drum now in the cop again, and that's just ridiculous. So the less drums, the better. They'll be getting percussion yep. next and all sorts. So, oh, but I don't, I don't Do you know. know what the, the lads point, who I'm were here. in the
4: northwest corner came from K Block. Is that right?
2: Yeah, they did, yeah. So they were in the. They were in the flex, apparently. I think people were stealing yeah. the Because,
4: I mean, literally, we turned up to our seats one day, and all of a sudden, it was the northwest corner as we know it now. They literally just just arrived and took over. Oh, so you were in there before? You were you in there
2: before the northwest corner? Well, we were
4: all, all in there before. Been in there for <laughs> like nice, the last nice five six seasons. <laughs>
2: the football, ruined
4: by a big drum. <laughs> I literally sat there with my old man, and he was like, what "The fuck's going on?" We're surrounded by drums and flags. Where's you know, you know, people we've been sat with for the last ten
3: years? Yeah. But L-B- yeah, baby you, Labib, you were wanting to come in. What were you going to say, mate?
1: The the, the whole thing um, about creating noise is. And this might be stating the obvious, but I think we we very very much react to the football that's on the pitch. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I think if it's going badly, generally, you know, we're really relatively quiet. We make the noise when it's going well. Now, if you look at it in its truest form, you know, support is is there through the good times and the bad times, uh, and the argument is we become more vocal get behind the team, spurs them on to, to victory. That's what we all want. But I think generally, when it, like I said in part I think when when it was a shocking game for us, uh, I thought we were very, very quiet and we responded to the, to the action on the pitch. And I think typically that's what we do, especially at home. When we're not playing well, we go quiet. But that's what we need to stop, isn't it? We need, we need to get films, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
2: It's how we do it and it's hard as a, as a collective, as, as a group like us to say it. We, we can sit there and say it all we want, but it's got to come from the stands on it. And I think for starters, again, fourth time I've said this today, but get rid of the bloody drum um, and just unite everybody. I, I, I do. I think that North West Corner, I've got to say that the idea of it is brilliant because it kind of bridges the gap between the big family stand and the COP. But like I say, for years and years, the COP has always been where chance have started. So you're trying to change something that's not particularly broken it just feels totally dis- disjointed and that seems to be a bit of a, a common denominator to me. I don't know uh, if I'm right. Uh, if I, just, um, just your talk, thoughts, mate? Just let Labib finish there, mate. We're going to respond uh, quickly.
1: Hold uh, on. I take on Bob what in, uh, are saying, Adam, about the cop. generally where the noise starts. But if I can just take you back to the olden days, I started off um, sit, standing in the Bradford End. Yeah. It was a tiny little shed back in those days. Uh, this is how long ago it was. I remember standing in there watching us beat Liverpool in the old uh, League Cup, as it was. Yeah, I'll be scoring. And that's where all the noise generated from. It bounces bounced off, doesn't it, as well? Even now, yeah. it's uh, it'd be good in that. In those days, that's where all the noise came from. The cop was quiet. You know, that was, all the singing came from the Brantford end. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, the, the whole kind of ground redeveloped and, and the cop became the kind of, where the, all the noise generated from. And that's where it should, that's typically where it does come from. But I think if we combine northwest corner noise and the kind of k block noise together, I think that'll just make it better. That, that's my view on it.
2: We all want the same thing, don't we? In a good atmosphere. It's just how we get there. Ben, I'll, I'll just let you finish on that one, mate.
5: No, I I I, I agree with the vast majority of what's been said. Yeah, I think I think the thing is as well: get out of this league, and the atmosphere will be a lot better. Yeah. You know, when we're suddenly back to playing, like you look at the top end of League One. Yeah. And it's just incredible, isn't it? Like, the top half of League One is, like, ex-Premier League from top to bottom, isn't it? It's amazing how, how bad League Two is in comparison to League One. Like, you know, I know we really want to get to the Championship, really want to even get to the Premier League, some of us, but just being in League One would be a damn sight better for Atmosphere. Yeah.
2: It's frightening, though, isn't it, the top end? Like, yeah. just when you look at it, it's, it's crazy. You know, your Sheffield yeah. Wednesdays in there, Derbys, Ipswiches, and, yeah. you know historically big teams that are battling out in there and when we get up there it's like we're probably going to be stuck in there for ages but it's miles better than where we are in it. And give we'll us something to moan
5: about again where- yeah
2: okay. that's what we want innit that's what this has been all about <laughs> oh, um, so that has been our debate episode of the City event I'd just like to thank the gentlemen that have joined us uh, today so thank you to Labib, Ben and Dan um, hopefully we'll have you again guys and thank you for your opinions so this will go out first on the audio um platforms. That Chris will probably tell you about in a second because I'm clueless. And then it'll go out on YouTube as well if you want to look at our um beautiful mugs. So I'm gonna say ugly, but yeah, I'm gonna say beautiful today. So thank you very much for <laughs> listening as always. Chris, what's it going out on? So we've just signed a deal with
3: Talk Sport, haven't we? It's yeah. exciting. So they have asked us to be the um the main club. Well, but the the main podcast for Bradford City, we're going to be on their streaming sites. But don't worry, for anyone listening, it will still be on all your main, in- main streaming sites. So um, it's exciting time for us. We're very happy. Um, we've only been around for, what, five five months, something like that. So um, if you like us, please drop a like, Spotify, 5 out of 5, everything but thank you very much, guys, and hope you enjoy it. And also, up the fucking chickens.
2: <laughs> just, just, just a last point as well. The episodes now go up to nine ninety nine to stream each one as well. You want to get in total But no, thank you very much for supporting us and listening as always, guys. And uh, up the flipping chickens.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part?